Welcome to Bottle Brown Podcast, Episode 6, with my friend Yuki-san. Yuki-san is a native of Japan whom I share a number of different philosophies with, and we have spent countless hours discussing in-depth various areas of business, life, family, and personal growth. Yuki-san was born and grew up in Japan, but he spent two periods of his life in Texas, so you'll notice that he speaks English with native fluency. We talk a lot about East versus West and how each approaches business differently. In this episode, we discuss the Japanese business method of consensus building known as Nemawashi. So, without further ado, I give you episode 6 with Yuki-san. Thanks for listening. Yep. Well, kind of. I decided to spend the money. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's good. to. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, like we should be investing on, you know, a uh, homework environment, right? Not just uh, on a kitchen table or <laughs> at a random desk. I guess this, this, my desk is wobbly right now. <laughs> it shakes when I do video conference. It definitely makes sense to invest in comfort. Hmm things that'll help you be less distracted when you're working. So I Mm. absolutely agree with that. I think that's a good one. So take two. Take two. (laughs) Sorry about the audio from last time. No problem. No problem. That was disappointing because I thought we had a good conversation. So this, uh, for the benefit of this time, we'll touch a little bit on what we tried to talk about last time. And I have uh, one of your masterpieces here. Thank you. Uh, Well, so I think uh, it's good. Uh, This is part of the entrepreneurship, right? That you had to take, you know, this take two part, you know. I think you can talk about that too a little bit, you know. Let's put a little lean startup discussion into it in terms of if it fails, try it again and learn from it and work on it next time. So the lesson that I learned was get a better mic. (laughs) And so when I was uh, recording what is now episode two, the mic showed up about eight minutes in. Mm. And so I while we were talking on the old microphone, the one that was having issues with our first try at this, uh, I plugged this guy in and it was a dramatic difference. And we ended up Mm -hmm. talking for another hour. I see. It was good, but you're right. You got to invest and you got to learn from your mistakes. Yes. Okay. So what are you seeing right now? Introduction and uh, by my Nemawashi draft. Ah, good, 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 good. Okay. So we'll get into that. Did you decide on a drink today? Oh yeah. Same thing. The okay. I have it in the, this one. Ah, very nice, very nice. So this is bulletproof. Yeah, bulletproof coffee. And uh, in your words, how would you describe it? How would I describe it? Well, uh, I drink this for cognitive enhancement. <laughs> so and it works. You know, my work is I I guess you know I'm more productive in that sense. Mm-hmm. I can focus. I can concentrate. I get things done, so I really need this now. <laughs> I can really feel it when I'm not drinking this. Uh, uh, what is it like the lagginess or yeah? You know, now, do you uh, think that's specific to to that type of coffee, or because uh, I see you're drinking it in the afternoon when we're recording this? <laughs> yes, um, that's a good question. Actually, uh, th- you're supposed to drink this in the morning. 
Yeah. It doesn't fit with my routine. And I really get sleepy in the afternoon. So I need coffee actually in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then moreover, I'm not, I'm trying not to eat dinner uh, a lot right now. So this helped with the appetite too. So that's what I'm trying. So uh, there's a bulletproof uh, diet that they also suggest. Mm-hmm. which is to drink this in the morning so that you can you can do intermittent fasting you know so you don't basically eat anything else right this is you just drink this and you don't need until noon and then you finish eating at eight right like what you used to do Dana. i don't right. know if you're still doing it but um i still try to the challenge that i run into is my window is noon to eight Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have same. to eat between yeah. 12 and 8. Well, what yeah. happens is after I put the kids to bed at 8 o'clock, mm. I come back downstairs and I very often yeah. have a drink or I yeah. have a snack. Makes or... Makes yeah. So sometimes well, I'll yeah. try and extend my window to 2. Mm-hmm. That way it's 2 to 10. Yeah. And then if I want to, I can have a drink or a snack before 10. And then from 10 o'clock on, uh, depending on how late I stay up, sometimes I'm working on this, sometimes I'm working on a uh, day job. Uh, sometimes I'm watching Netflix or playing video games, but the idea is, you know, stop consuming mm. by 10 to maintain the window. Right. Uh, Makes but, sense. Uh, is it because Bulletproof Coffee has other ingredients besides just coffee? Because I know that one of the techniques for maintaining a fast is coffee, tea, water, coconut oil, low, low calorie stuff. Yes. This one has ghee butter uh, in there. That's right. Uh, uh, which is, um, it says grass-fed butter. Anyways, <laughs> that's the only thing. Uh, besi- uh, and then this has actually collagen in it uh, too. Yep. This is a yep. specific one. So, uh, but yeah, what it is, is according to the brand, uh, it's still okay with the intermittent fasting. So you can consume in the morning and it won't break the fast. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. Huh. I yeah, think I kind of lightly breaking the rule <laughs> but yeah i think <laughs> yeah, but they said it works so you know yeah i know i know collagen's the hot thing now from uh, oh from yeah diet, from dietitians and physical yeah. fitness experts yeah. uh, it big, makes your skin brighter butter. whatever yeah yeah I mean, nail hail grows better peptides and biological terms and all that mm-hmm. uh, i know that ghee butter is mostly calories from fat so yes. part of it is has some similarities with the keto diet. Yes, good, good fat. Yeah. supposed to stimulate ketosis so that your body yes. relies on fat as opposed to carbohydrates. And then when you run out of fat that you've consumed, it goes after the fat in your body. Yes. Uh, I've read a number of different studies on it that suggest maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be because ketosis is when you're effectively starving. Yes. And it's your body saying, this is all that's left. Yes, yes. And that's after your muscles been... De- depleted, all of your glycogen stores have been depleted, all of your carbohydrates have been depleted, then the rich uh, calorie-saving fat. Uh, You know, we watch, I like to watch nature documentaries with the kids, and the one that we watched recently was about the great white shark, Mm -hmm. and the eight-year-old loves it because it talks about megalodon, and that's kind of a dinosaur, and you know, we look at the big wall unit in the living room, and we say, this is how big his mouth was. Yeah, yeah, I used to love this when I was kids, too. When they talk about sharks, you know, sharks will eat once every three months. Mm. And the idea is they want seals or they want whale or, you know, they want something that's got a lot of fat in it because yeah. fat is calories. Mm-hmm. So the danger of a, of a fat-based diet is your body knows that it's the most precious thing and it mm-hmm. always saves it for last. Yeah. 
So those diets can be extremely dangerous. Um, in theory, though, I agree with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, I think the, the basic concept of these guys is that uh, how do you use the fat in the first place, right? Because you're storing fat, you know, that, because that's how your body's built, like you, you just described, right? And so it's going to store if you're not going to do anything, you know. So how can we use that fat as energy and, you know, thus, you know, ketosis mode, right? So get in there intentionally so that the energy from fat is used so that it's not stored and makes you look fat, you know. So yeah. uh, any way to use that, as, use fat as an energy would work. So ultimately, like we kind of discussed uh, in another meeting <laughs> today, uh, the Singularity University or, you know, or biohackers are trying to use, right, uh, the fat energy without getting into ketosis, you know, by biohacking, basically. Because then you can eat whatever you want and, you know, it, the fat is not stored and still used as energy. And then you can still consume sugar or whatever, you know, and you don't get fat. So <laughs> that, that sounds more ideal world, right? Yeah. And it, it kind of goes to one of my theories, which is calories in, calories out. So as mm -hmm. long as you're burning yeah. more than you're consuming, you're going yeah. to get slimmer and, and more yeah. and more toned. Yeah. The reason I gravitated to intermittent fasting is I've never been a breakfast guy. I've never mm -hmm. been hungry in the mornings. I've never mm -hmm. wanted to get up and eat something, which I think there are people out there that are like that. Mm -hmm. I'm probably more of a night owl. So my, my biometric rhythm or whatever you want to call it, my circadian rhythm or whatever it is that, that influences the cycles of my body mm -hmm. usually processes later. Mm -hmm. So I get hungry in the afternoon. I get hungrier between six and eight. I get hungry after eight. And so in the morning, I can go until noon with nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I like coffee because it's hot. And it's mm. liquid, but I've tried other hot liquids. I've tried tea. Uh, there's there's plenty of alternatives, and really drinking a lot of water, mm. like multiple glasses of water, also yeah. manages to satisfy uh, the feeling of being full. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biohacking thing is always interesting to me because if it can provide your body with the nourishment that it needs with fewer calories, then you can stick with calories, calories out, calories in. And sure. I think it, it works. Yeah. So collagen, proteins, some of these different compounds that are being generated, they are found in nature, mm. but you're kind of, you're stripping out the essence of what you're getting from vegetables and, and fruits and some of these essential nutrients. You're actually stripping it out, which means you're having less calories because you're not spending time burning right. filler. Yeah. Um, the irony of that is juicing, where you've taken out all the juice, but the fiber is really what you want. Right. So if you could actually get rid of the juice and eat just the fiber from vegetables, that's really what you're getting out of it. The juice mm. is kind of a, a byproduct. Mm. But anyway. Yeah. And then ultimately, like we can just have the taste, you know, we can eat Doritos or Lay's and yeah. you know, we still be healthy. You, know, yeah, you, that... you would enjoy the flavor of a, yeah. and the texture of a Dorito without actually yeah. knowing about how many calories it is. Yeah, right. It'd be fun yeah. to eat a whole bag of chips. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're rocking bulletproof coffee today. My brown yes. today is Tula Bardine, which is a Sauternes Finnish scotch. Mm. So if you're looking at my screen right now, I couldn't yes. pull up the actual Tula Bardine website, but this is a Scottish distillery located in Blackford, Perth and Kinross, which is mostly in the North side. Uh, it's a relatively new scotch, pretty small. And it's not bad. When I look at the flavor spiral, this is what I was telling you before. Yeah. And so what is that supposed to be? So what this is, is this is the flavor spiral that tells you all of the ingredients that are in 
Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. This is what I was talking yeah. about last time. This yeah. is the flavor spiral. Right. So right. what I like about this Flaviar membership is um, when you put together a couple of different drinks that you like, they'll put mm. together a custom flavor spiral for you. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that and apply it to any of the bottles in their inventory and you can get an idea of what it is that you like mm. and find new varieties that work for your palate. I see. Which I really like. So this one has a lot of grape and pineapple uh-huh. and spice and vanilla and orange, like a, a lot of fruit. Right. Which is different to what you usually like, mm. right? It's a totally a different it's taste not too. typical of, of most of the brown that I drink, which is the namesake of this podcast. It's, it doesn't have any peat. It's got butter and citrus and lemon. And it's really, it's wow. very, very different. Uh, so as far as experimentation goes, this one, this one isn't bad. It's from Scotland. So it's legit. It's on the money. Uh, that, is our, that is our brown for the day. All right. So let's switch gears. Yes. How are you handling uh, the virus in terms of, like, I know you do grocery delivery Mm-hmm. You've got a big family. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you found it difficult to get out and do the things that you used to do? Sure, For sure, yeah. I'm the only one going out to do grocery shopping uh, mm-hmm. now uh, if, I, if we need to. Uh, and then in that case, I'm wearing the mask. I'm wearing, you know, those DIY, you know, clear goggles, <laughs> you know. And I even wore this uh, gloves that is for snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> because that was the only glove I had, literally. So, um, yeah, so that, that's my gear. And then um, as soon as I come home, I would take everything off and that goes straight to the, you know, laundry, you know, uh, because they, you know, one of the research said uh, coronavirus can stay on clothes and shoes and all that kind of stuff. And luckily, you know, I'm already Japanese, so, and my wife uh, understand the customs, so, you know, we take off shoes. So that was a good habit that we already were, you know, used to already. Uh, yeah, because one of the, that research actually came from UK and they start to take off shoes <laughs> because, you know, the virus stays on your shoes. So yeah. not good to just walk into your house, you know, with, with the shoes on. So Yeah, we, we adopted that custom. One of it was for carpet cleanliness, but mm-hmm. two is we're, we're a barefoot family. Mm. Like I was talking to um, uh, my guest on episode three, went to, went to UC Santa Barbara with me and he's like, Look, mm-hmm. man, this is what we do. We wear flip-flops. Mm-hmm. So the concept of being in bare feet is just the way we like to live. So pulling shoes off could have some Eastern influence, but mm-hmm. it's just the way we like to live. So we yeah. come home, we wash hands, we take our shoes off. Um, yeah, you have to take precautions. Yeah, totally, totally. So we got a notification out here in Arizona that you can't get into Costco without a mask. Oh, really? It wasn't like that just a few days ago. Mm. So yeah. to see you going around with that much gear on is interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I first learned actually from, I think, Whole Foods. You know, I think when I went to Whole Foods uh, early in this, uh, during the lockdown, uh, I saw uh, like heavy geared people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good, because, you know, this is what uh, Japanese will kind of, you know, wear. But I didn't want to be that guy, right? Like, you know, be the Japanese who over wear stuff and, you know, uh, people actually freak out <laughs> looking at that person because that person, that agent might be containing some, you know, something, you know, so um, luckily, yeah. So after that, I thought that was the next norm, a new norm. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, hesitant to, you know, wear all these 
I have heard of that where uh, people of Chinese descent are facing discrimination. You haven't run into that, have you? No. Europe. That was that happened in Europe, right? A lot. It it happened in Tustin. Oh, it happened in Tustin. Wow. Yeah, oh, like I've, no, I've heard know. stories of of Northern Orange County running into it. I've I've seen, um, you know, I've I've heard of it in other podcasts that I listen to, and I've talked to uh, some other people in the process of recording some of these episodes, and it's just, you know, what what are you going to get out of that other than feeling better about yourself for a minute? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd hate to see people have to deal with that because nobody started this. The right. one person that started it, if you wanted to blame somebody, was the guy that brought a bat to the market or whatever happened <laughs> in that market yeah. Yeah. in a province in a country thousands of miles away. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know for sure yet. Right. But, but yeah, yeah I this, mean, this, this whole thing is just affecting everybody. Yeah. And then, you know, like it's it just, because it, it's a, it was a virus, you know, and then it happened to happen in China and then an Asian country first, you know. Uh, looking at Asian, but you know, like this, this could be anything, right? Like you know, uh, racism, whatever you know, uh, was there anyways, right? So this is another another new one. <laughs> so yeah, it's not new. No, it's people of Arabic descent probably deal with it also because because of the military conflicts we got going on. It's just a horrible state of of human interaction when things that are outside of your control just to grab onto the last vestige of security you can is to denigrate somebody for yeah. reasons outside yeah. of theirs. It's just, I don't. Something that bothers me. Switching gears, I'd like to get into the main topic for discussion today. And as we talked about, I'd like to make this a series because I like having these conversations with you. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're a you're a philosophy nut like myself, and we like to go deep on certain topics. Mm -hmm. You wrote a book on the concept of Nemawashi. Well, you wrote you've written multiple books. This particular (laughs) book is the one that I want to talk about. Uh, you've done tons of videos. You've done tons of pieces of content of an education or informatory manner, which mm. I think is great. I think more people with ideas need to share it. There's tons of good stuff out there. And the one thing that I've learned from this experience of building this podcast more than anything else is the uniqueness of the individual. Everybody mm. has a story yep. that is unlike anything else. That's for sure. And the fun part of this is it was originally conceived as an opportunity just to hang out and chat with my friends. But the more in-depth you get when you talk about stuff, the more you find out some really priceless things about the human condition and how we're all different and how we're all similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a writer. I'm a writer. You're a writer, yes. We like to think about deep concepts. We like to deconstruct things. Yes. So this was an interesting opportunity to read your book. The concept, I'll give you a brief primer and then I'll I'll set you loose. Mm. The concept of nemawashi in the Japanese business landscape. The way you describe it is the literal translation of nemawashi is a landscaping term. Meaning to go around the root of a tree, turning to the preparatory work of tree transplantation. So you're digging around the roots to be able to take the tree and move it somewhere else. Yes. But the the main focus is going around, right? going around the roots first so that you can lift it up and move it somewhere else. And for the uninitiated that don't understand how Japanese specifically, but I think in some sense, the Eastern culture of business does this of gaining consensus of wanting to know that the people around you are in agreement so that you can build that, uh, that wa or that harmony of having everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That is distinctly not a Western feature, although I think you will see it in some older societies such as Europe, 
you will find the concept of harmony of everybody together. Yes. Uh, kind of do this. But I, I read the piece. It's 29 pages long. I think it's got a lot of great stuff in it. And I think you really nail some of the problems of, of even a Western business. If you have an idea, you, you need to form a coalition. You need to get yes. supporters. What struck me from your piece is that this really resembles politics in a way. Mm, true. You're going to get things done. You need to find people that are potential opponents. Yes. And you want to convert them to your way of thinking or at least find some common ground between the two of you such that you can move progress forward. Yes. I'll get into some of the things that I liked about the piece, but I'm curious to know about your take on Nemawashi, why you wanted to tackle this. That's a good question. Uh, so you're familiar with the word Nemawashi because, you know, uh, I, when we started working together back in 2017 or mm -hmm. almost like maybe even even 16 when I was still in Japan and you were, or, you know, you were here mm -hmm. uh, in the States, uh, you face some differences, right? How you work with, you know, Japanese people, you know, how they do meetings, how they get approvals. You know, there's there's differences in how things are done in the Western compared to the western way it, it's in my book too but i faced that personally too because i just i graduated from university in, in the states right and then went back and started working in a company in japan right and then i face a lot of people you know having two faces right basically they're the uh the one for politics and one honest you know opinion side of things you know you so, talked about that on multiple levels too not yeah, just university yeah. but primary school too yeah yeah exactly so I've experienced that in my life. So I'm very much aware of um, the difference between the East and the West. While I, while I struggle through those in my life, uh, when I start working in, uh, in the company, then in a more of a global uh, area, right? Because I start to go to Europe as well and other Asian countries as well. I started to merge the good part of the West, East and the West, and that uh, this Nemawashi was actually useful in a global company, you know, uh, environment, you know, so it was already in me and this was in my method. And this is how I get things done. This is how I get approvals almost 100% of the time from the board of directors. And uh, how this is how I unite the team as well, you know, during in the meetings and stuff. And so I had this already in my, uh, as my method. And then I started to pass those these uh, on to uh, my colleagues who wanted to understand how I, yeah, how I could get, <laughs> how could, how they could do what I do actually. And uh, yeah, the reason I wrote the book is because I was actually afraid of writing an English book, right? A book in English. I just challenged myself to write a Japanese book and I did. And it helped a couple of people, uh, especially my friends. And then I just tried to decide to face my fear uh, of writing a book in English. Fear, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a broad term, but uh, I thought that was impossible for me, right? <laughs> to write a book in English. And so I just tried to overcome that, my bias. That's what I wanted to do. And then I was looking for a topic and you and, um, the other two colleagues that we have, you know, also were struggling with uh, working with Japan. So, you know, this is this was a great topic to uh, I thought uh, write in Jap in English so that you guys can read and understand what I was thinking and what are my methods are. 
that's what I was looking for. That's that's basically what what I liked about it was you were looking for a challenge to overcome, and this was your method of stepping in. So, yep. I mean, as a as a lesson to anybody listening, if you have a challenge that you want to overcome, it's best to start with something you know, because then at least you've got half of the process taken care of. Yeah. What I'd like your take on, uh, which is something that we've talked about before, the process of Nemawashi in a global company or a multinational where you're dealing with multiple languages, you're dealing with multiple cultures, not just East versus West, but let's yes. think about uh, a breakdown of those. Let's think about Germanic versus Latin, multiple types of Westerners versus multiple types of Easterners. So let's let's break it down even further, not just East and West. When you're dealing with people of different cultures like that, it's very critical that you establish trust. Yes. Because if there is no trust, nothing will get done, regardless yes. of any of your methods. Yes. What I liked about the way you described it was you weren't really talking about it in terms of this is how you deal with the Japanese or this is how you can be more Japanese. I thought you really approached it from a global perspective of regardless. Let's assume for simplicity's sake that everybody speaks English. Mm -hmm. English is going to be, if not already, the global language of business. Mm -hmm. It's the global language of aviation. In some sense, it's the global language of finance. You know, there have been other global languages going all the way back to the dawn of time. Chinese was a global language. French was a global language. You know, at the current moment, it's English. Mm -hmm. uh, it may evolve to other languages, but for the most part, you're going to see street signs in English. You're going to see books written in English. You're going to see people discussing things in English as well as their other language. Those are written in English. Too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So get past that. Get past the idea that we all speak English. When we talk to our Brazilian counterparts, yeah, they speak English, but they're Brazilian, which takes into account Latin American influences as well as Portuguese, which is not Spanish. Those are all things that need to be factored in. So the idea of Nemawashi that I latched onto was you're presenting an idea you need to hear feedback what you're hoping for is honest feedback mm -hmm. and what you're also hoping for is fully formed thoughts mm -hmm. because then you can compare them to your own yes. the danger of that is moving forward with somebody that has no interest mm -hmm. in performing yes. namawashi with you mm -hmm. because then you can't get anything done at all right. what i want to know from your perspective japanese society as a culture is fascinated with perfection, with mm -hmm. freshness, with a sense of transcendence, you know, that higher level, that closer to God, the closer to heaven. Yep. So the idea Yon. of Nemawashi is avoid mistakes, avoid risk, make mm -hmm. it smooth, make it perfect, make it flow like silk. Mm -hmm. um, that's my interpretation as that's a Westerner true. looking in. So the concept of Nemawashi from an outsider looking at Japanese culture is the reason you perform Nemawashi is because you eliminate disagreements, because you eliminate imperfections, you eliminate rudeness, you eliminate conflict. Mm. Whereas I think the way you've positioned it is look at Nemawashi as a method of bridging over cultural gaps and establishing trust. Mm. Don't worry if it's messy. Yeah. Don't worry if it's got conflict. Mm -hmm. It starts with establishing trust among your colleagues. What, how am I, am I, am I getting close to something or am I way off? Oh, no, no, you, you're, I think you're, you're right there. Uh, you're nailing it. Um, moreover, um, if I were to add to that, you know, I started with a, a Japanese concept, Nemawashi, right? Uh, or you can say the Eastern method or Asian method. Uh, but then I, uh, the, you can tell that 
the later chapters uh, are actually bringing in Western you know, methods and, to, to, and mixing it with the traditional uh, Nemawashi you know, method. And so you know, that was my goal you know, from the beginning. You, know, you're, you see, it, it's not like which one's better, right? Both has merit and demerits, you know, um, both has its benefits. Uh, so you just want to take the best of each and, make, and use both of them, you know. And then so that, yeah. So for example, you know, Nemawashi, uh, one of, uh, I use actually one of your sayings, you know, when, when I first introduced Nemawashi, you said it's dumb and it's slow, right? Like, you know, uh, when I first introduced the concept, right? And, and, and that's true. That's so true. Uh, and that's the frustration of doing Nemawashi because we need to get everyone on board, right? So if you have 30 people, you need to have yes from 30 people, right? Well, but if you're a company of like what, 500, 1,000, you gotta have everybody say yes. And that's that's time consuming, you know? So that is, that's the bad part about Nemawashi. That's why if Japanese uh, prefer Nemawashi all the time, you know, or everybody's consensus all the time, then, you know, you cannot reach a decision, you know, forever almost, right? So that is the bad part of Nemawashi or this culture. So that's why um, I wanted to have speed to this, you know, process or this method. And that I saw a lot in uh, efficient ways in the Western culture. So, you know, how do we apply those and still have the benefits of the mawashi in it, right? And that's how we came up with, you know, these whole concepts and th that's written in the book. The process of nemawashi itself from I as a Westerner looking in is if you have an idea, you want to share your idea with everybody that's going to be affected by it. Yes. If it's a small idea, it's probably a single department. You can talk mm -hmm. to your coworkers on your team. It'll be smaller stakes, smaller risk, smaller reward, and you're much likely to get it through by simply talking to your teammates and then approaching your boss when you've developed a coalition. The larger you get with the concept of the risk and the potential benefits to the company, you're talking about investment. And investment is usually resources or time, all of which you'll never get back. Mm -hmm. So the larger you get, the more people you have to talk to. And that's usually where it takes time. Yes. What I liked about your system is you found ways to eliminate some of those steps while maintaining that uh, politeness and order, that harmony. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to share... I want to share you three key things here, and I'd like to talk about them. Think we, not I, but fulfill the I before the we. And it seems contradictory, but I, I understand it, maybe just by virtue of, of working with you. In the sense of, you know, there is no I in team. We all have to do this together. None of us is as smart as all of us. You want to be able to keep that team thing going because nobody can do anything alone. I think that's, it's physically impossible. Nobody can do it alone. Yeah, especially in the corporate environment. You, I mean, that's the reason you make a company that because, you know, you were going to work with a team, right? Right. So establish the concept that the team has to do it. No one person can carry the company on their back. Mm. But then... While you have that in front of you and you're staring at it, think back to two basic concepts. One is mental health. Mm -hmm. You can't help other people if you're not in okay. control. Yeah. And a more literal example is, you might have mentioned it here, is when you're on the airplane. Mm. 
put your own mask on first. Yes. Because what good are you if you're unconscious because you didn't put your mask on and yes. you're putting everybody else's mask on? Like yeah. that just immediately eliminates your ability to help others exactly. by not taking care of yourself. Yes. So think we, not I, is make sure you have yourself taken care of. But then after you've assembled that, that's where you stop. And that's where the team continues. Yeah. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you just said it, right? Like, you know, you want to, you don't want to be selfish. You know, you want to work as a team. You know, you, know, and to, you want unity. You want consensus uh, for the team. You know, looking at the same direction, same vision, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, without you under control, right? Without you in perfect shape, you know, in a, or in a good shape, you won't be contribute. You won't be able to contribute to the we. So get your yeah, get get yourself right first. You know, like what I uh, the the example I wrote was you know if you're drowning, you cannot help a drowning person, right? Yeah. So yeah, that that was my example. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. So put your own mask on first, then yes. help others, and yes. especially in a moment where we're all wearing masks. Yeah. That could be particularly timely information. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, two, this is something that really hit me as mm. common sense. Mm. And I think the problem with common sense is you don't realize it until it's presented to you. And then you go, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> Rule two, don't deny your opponent. Mm. And that is something that I will immediately put into practice because I thought the way oh. you presented it was very poignant for the concept of if you need this person, no matter how you feel about them, they have to be involved. Mm -hmm. You cannot go around somebody. Mm. Even if you do, there will be consequences later. Yes, yes. Uh, the part that I really liked was when we're having discussions, and you and I are big whiteboard fans. We love, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. love visualizing things. Yes, yes. So one of your notes is, when you're having a discussion and you're pitching an idea and you're looking at collaboration, write everybody's opinions down. Yes. Because the mere act of the opinion being written on the board suggests acceptance yes. of the opinion. And this is where I would automatically agree. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. Exactly. And I think that might be a hard thing for Westerners to understand because you're allowed to accept it and mm -hmm. realize that it exists and acknowledge mm -hmm. it without giving any kind of buy-in. Right. And I'm wondering if that was, because th again, this is something that I find extremely enlightening. When somebody's giving you a contrary opinion to your own, you automatically take it, you process it, and you think to yourself, is this in complete odds with what I want, or is it simply coming at another angle? Mm. Maybe not 180 degrees, maybe 160 or 150. Mm. So it's opposed, but not completely. There is room for both of us to carry on together. So I immediately want to get a whiteboard now every time I talk about something because I want to put that person's opinion on the board. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Right. That, it's that powerful, isn't it? Right. I think so, and I agree with you. I think people want to be heard. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard. They want to be so acknowledged. The mere fact of you saying, this is your opinion, mm -hmm. you're not saying anything about... You agree or not. Yeah. Right. It's just, yep, that's you. Good. Yeah. This is your spot on the board. This is your real yes. estate. Yes. So this is your little corner of the whiteboard. You own it. You have agency in this process. This is your herd. plot of land, right? You've been heard. Yeah. I really like that. The second part of that that I also really, really liked is don't make a decision today. Mm. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. 
Yeah, uh, that's just how you, you're gonna control the meeting a little bit, right? Because uh, if you let now everybody speak, right? Uh, what they whatever they want, then you you know the meeting's not gonna end. <laughs> you know, the one hour meeting becomes two and three and it's just, you don't reach a goal. So um, you wanna set your goal and you wanna focus on that, right? So if you have other topics uh, or opinions that doesn't fit the goal of that meeting, but you know you don't want to avoid that right like you don't want to say well that's not you know that's not uh, a good topic to discuss today so we're not going to listen to you then that's not that then you know this person will you know will not express their thoughts anymore during the meeting you know because you know they feel like they're not heard so um yeah in here as one of the methods that i do is to just yeah set aside a lot you know another space to write those that are not fit uh, for that meeting, right? Or meeting yes, goal. Yes, the sideboard. Sideboard. So put yeah. it put it in public view, but put it away from the main note-taking session. Yeah. Yeah, and then come back for the another meeting session to you know for the focus you know uh, meeting for that particular topic. Yeah. Yeah, you hear this a lot in meetings. Uh, let's take that offline, mm -hmm. which means great. That's an opinion that's not on topic. Let's yes. let's worry about it later. But what you're suggesting is put it out there, mm -hmm. like acknowledge that we'll take it offline, yes. but put it out there so that we know what the offline topics are. I would exactly. go a step further and reschedule that offline exactly. in the moment. Yeah. So you know what? That's not a, that's not what we're talking about. That's not part of the agenda. Let's take that offline, but let's talk about that offline in one week or yeah. in one month or tomorrow. Yes. I was inspired by that. I thought that was really good. Yeah. So in order to, you know, again, still, it's so it, it sounded like, you know, postponing the decision making, but no, you know, again, you're going to do the decision making already, but just for that topic of the meeting, right? So anything other than the topic of the meeting, we make the decision making later, you know, on another, another occasion. Uh, it, it comes down to respect. It comes down to respect. You, Everything you is about respect. respect. Yeah. yeah. You have to respect your opponents. Even, even in the glory of victory, you should respect an opponent. But in terms of, we, we talked about this, anybody in a support role in a company, whether you're in finance or uh, service, or you're in an area that waits for one of the other departments that's leading. So most of the projects are executives or sales or marketing or product development or R&D. These are leading departments that will eventually push back onto supporting departments. You, you have to give respect. Yeah. You have to make sure that that person knows you're important. Yes. Uh, and I think that, I think people lose sight of that concept that, you know, a salesman may forget that the company pays their paycheck. Mm. Yeah. The salesman may forget that, no, you're not actually working for your account. You're working for mm. us. You know, mm. you, you need to remember that, that, that the signature on your paycheck is this company. Yeah. You still want to respect the salesman for doing a critical job within the organization. So by, by giving them an opportunity to speak their mind, it just seems so obvious. And yet it's not. That in organizations, people fail to respect each other. Yeah. Because I, I still come back to that. That's just something that my gut tells me is that if you acknowledge it, you agree with it, and you have to separate them. <laughs> I see. I see. So the yeah. Nemo so process, I think, helps with that. Yeah, I wrote, I use the word opponent here just to imply that even an opponent, uh, you need to show respect, right? That that implies that actually everybody is, there's no opponent actually, you know, so uh, you need to respect everybody. There's, everybody has different perspectives, 
And we got to respect that, you know, the fact that, you know, people are different, you know. What's interesting is I learned that from, you know, uh, U.S., right? Like there's diversity of people here and, you know, you're united, you know, you're, you're, there's harmony in uh, U.S. But when it comes to like, you know, corporate uh, meetings and stuff, you know, some with more power or some with, you know, uh, I don't know, um, strong opinions, you know, sometimes lead you know, to a conclusion, right? Uh, I, I want, actually, I don't want it to avoid that and have, you know, respect for everybody in the room, but then still come to a conclusion, you know, come to a decision, you know, move on to next step, you know? So that's how I came up with all these ideas. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a fundamental rule of business that you have to respect other people. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we teach our kids when, when our kids play a sport, at the end of the sport, win or lose, go shake the opponent's hand. Mm-hmm. You know, if your opponent gets knocked down on the soccer field, help them up. Yeah. You know, be gracious in victory, be humble in defeat, but recognize that the other person has contributions. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you value them, you need to acknowledge them. And I thought that yeah, was really totally. great. Yeah, because uh, you couldn't have played the game without the opponent you know, right. playing together so in yeah, the first place. You, you need the opponent in order for there to be a game. Yeah. yeah. So I hate them during the game. Yeah. But after the whistle Whatever. blows, yeah, after the whistle blows, recognize your humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's good as as our our mentor Mario used to say, it's good to have competition because mm-hmm. it lets you know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, comparison. The third one, 100%, see things from a bigger perspective. Back up, elevate yourself, come at it from, you know, what they say, maybe the 10,000 foot view, like back yeah. up and just try and get a sense of what the bigger picture is. Yeah, because uh, I think people tend to get drilled into their individual team problems, mm-hmm. their department problems. Maybe they're bringing personal stuff to work. Yes, yes. Um, so tell me about that. Tell me about tell me about how you view the bigger perspective. The reason you have opponents uh, sometimes is because you disagree with you know a certain topic, right? But if you what I found was if you look at a bigger picture of the problem, then, you know, those two are actually aligned. Yeah. So this is like a, you know, a Zen talk. So <laughs> I want to get into a little bit of detail or for example, but you see sometimes, you know, when you face these two, uh, like sales, uh, person and the guys, person in sales and person in say R and D, they tend to argue a lot. They disagree with how to perceive things, you know, the methods, the timing, the due deadlines, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you see the bigger picture, they both want to, you know, a success for the company. They both want to deliver, you know, the, the best product ever to the customer, right? They want to both, they both want to see the customer's happy faces, right? Bigger picture means that just that. Maybe you're trapped in, you know, when you have an argument, on let's say a certain feature of product. So you, you're gonna argue here, you might not agree there, but if you look at a bigger picture, you want a successful product. You want a good product, great product that makes people smile, then you know, that you can both agree on. Then you start to, when you fight, you lose that. And you set the person as an, your opponent and now you need to, you know, which one's going to lose and which one's going to win. And, you know, with that attitude, you cannot work together. When the argument starts, we need to bring them both up on a higher level and say, wait a minute, our goal, what was our goal again? You know, right? You go back to that state and then say, well, yeah, we wanted to make the customer happy, right? Thus, we wanted a great product, you know, let's get back there. So how could we make this a great product? So, okay, uh, I got your you know, opinion. I, I understand your opinion. So what is going to work for us? And 
making a great product or make the customer happy you know so then they can be on the same side not an opposing side that that was what i meant by uh looking at the bigger picture right yeah it's it's less about victory the more you make it about victory the more you'll fail <laughs> yes yes you can make it about a victory but you want to you know make a victory uh being on the same side setting an opponent is actually also a good thing so if you have right like uh that's what one of the yeah, that was one of the examples in there too. Uh, if you if you have an opponent and you try to set another opponent that both of you think is an opponent, then you're friends. You know, friends, friends are what enemy of the enemy is a friend, right? Yep. Establish a common enemy. Better than that is setting a common goal. Well, if you have a situation where you know, in our day jobs, where where our company was at in one of our market segments, we were the top dog, like mm -hmm. we were number one. Mm -hmm. So where is your enemy? And I remember talking to one of our sales consultants, uh, a guy who's no longer with us. His name is Jerry Leo. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to Jerry at one of our sales meeting retreats, Napa or wherever we were. <clears throat> and I said, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that we want to create this phantom enemy who puts us yeah. in number two so that we have something yeah. to chase. And he paused for yeah. a second. He put his drink down and he went, that is fucking genius. <laughs> You have to have something to strive towards, not just for your own motivation, but I think for the good of the team. Mm, definitely. And so the concept of the, of the bigger picture, I think is wonderful because you have to say, listen, if you're gonna separate this into your traditional Myers-Briggs personality thing, there's people that are only interested in profit. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that are only interested in people. Mm. And the success of the company will provide both. So whether you want to make more money because it's more commission for you, or you want to do well by a customer because a happy customer is profitable. Yes. Do you want the happy customer or do you want the money? Well, guess what? They're intertwined. Yeah. So if you back up and you think the success of the company is what will provide what you want and will provide what I want. Yes. I think that really gets to the heart of the matter. Okay. Uh, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is I'd like you to give the traditional Nemawashi process, as you mm. know it, which is what is currently practiced in Japan. Yep. And then looking at what we have here, which is your five steps of the Neo Nemawashi process. Mm. So can you give me the what was and the what could be? The old uh, or traditional Nemawashi process is basically you go to people one by one, face to face, prior to the, say, approval meeting and get the agreement um, beforehand. So when you arrive at the, say, the approval meeting, everybody, you know everybody's on board. <laughs> so um, when you, at the end, when you are ready for boat, you know, uh, everybody- Or you talk to the gatekeeper before you talk to the person that has approval power. Exactly, exactly. Or at least go to get the majority of the people on board with you so that you, you are sure you're gonna win or you get the approval. This is the traditional uh, Nemawashi, you know, concept. You don't want to just face it and hope hope that you you get approval, right? That there's no strategy there. Um, uh, but so you want to make sure that you get the approval there, or you win, or you know, uh, you pass whatever you want to achieve. You know, Nemawashi ensures that. So it's very a strategical uh, a thing. You know, it's a tactic. However, so. Comparing to the new Nemawashi that I mentioned, um, this Nemawashi again, you know, the it takes time. You know, that 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 is just one of the defects of Nemawashi, right? Like adding the speed, 
uh, to this concept was what I, you know, went for at, especially during this time, you know, when everything is changing super fast. <laughs> so uh, adding the speed was necessary to the Nemawashi process. Nemawashi is great. Again, it ensures you that you get what you want. You're not asking for luck or, you know, hope or anything, right? You're not, you're not just praying that you win. Nemawashi is uh, one-to-one, face-to-face. In order to speed up the process, you can have face, so the face-to-face could be, you know, one to multiple people, meaning I can have a meeting, then there's suddenly 10 people uh, in the meeting, right? If I do a presentation, there's suddenly 30 people, hundreds of people, right? If I even record it on a video or like this, you know, podcast style, I can reach so many people at different time zones, at different times, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's one way to uh, speed up the process by, you know, changing, shifting from one to one to one to multiple. One to many, yeah. In order to do so, like I kind of already said, you know, meetings, uh, presentations, you know, recordings. These actually, you can find a lot of good, you know, techniques in uh, Western culture. Western culture really uh, made a method or, you know, was able to break it down enough so that even, so that people can learn how to do all these things. Good. Uh, so I just, you know, pull those into the Nemawashi process. I got your top five here. Mm-hmm. One is be neutral. You can be and should be passionate. You should know that this is the right idea. You should know that because you are coming up with this idea, you have identified a flaw or an opportunity for improvement. Yes. So this is your opportunity to share your insight or your discovery or your eureka moment with your coworkers to say, this is how we could all do this better. Mm. But remember that they could have come up with this as well. Yes. So on two fronts, one, they didn't come up with it. So to them, it doesn't seem like a good idea because they didn't come up with it. But two, if they did come up with it and they thought, yeah, that's not going to work. You're now fighting somebody that already came to the conclusion you did. So remember to come at your problem as a neutral bystander, which I think is probably the most difficult part, at least from the Western perspective, because Mm -hmm. your ideas are like your children. Yes. You can't be impartial about your yeah. children. Your children are the best thing ever. Uh, number two is accept all opinions. Not under, uh, you know, not agree, right? Like it's, right. Uh, that, that's a very, very different accept. You know. a- acknowledge without agreeing or agree, which is also super helpful to showing respect is to say, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Yes. Whether or not you go with it, that'll, we'll get to that. That's step number four, but yeah. Step number three, which I firmly believe in, Mm. get everyone to talk. Yes. Do not have a meeting with a group of people without acknowledging that each one of those people needs to be there. Mm -hmm. If you've got a group with eight people in the room, whether it be Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Join Me or even a physical location, if there's eight people in the room, they're all there for a reason. Yes. Get them to talk. Yes. Because if somebody's there and they don't want to talk, one, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But two, you're denying the rest of the group with your perspective. Yes. Because that, that part was in the text of the book is people with an outside perspective are going to give you the most impartial and objective view of your idea because they're not invested. There's a, there's a really genius moment that you threw in, which I'm so going to steal from you. <laughs> when you start a conversation whether it be a presentation, an informal chat, ask a question that involves everybody. Who had coffee this morning? Raise your hand, yeah. 
who didn't have coffee this morning? If you find somebody that doesn't raise your hand, go right at them. <laughs> yeah, they weren't listening. <laughs> you did or you did not. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I thought that was great. We also talked about this a little bit earlier was number four, set a decision-making meeting on another day. Uh, I think you can read the room and tell whether or not a decision is going to happen. Mm. And I think what happens is sometimes when we did this in the, the marketing teams in some of my previous positions is you would get into a brainstorming meeting and everybody was excited. Yeah. And you could tell that there was a buzz in the room. There was an energy, there was an electricity. And what happened was the ideas went up and 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 up until eventually it was like, oh, we're never going to be able to do that. And then yeah. everything would collapse. Yeah. And, and then coming back to that whiteboard technique, right? So get, get the decision done, you know, decision made. Uh, number four says set a decision-making meeting on another day. It's just that if you need to talk, like you said, you know, if everybody needs to expect, express their feelings first, their thoughts first, then, you know, focus on that done, right? And then have a decision-making on another day. But if you're ready to make a decision, you know, stick to that, you know, so stick to that uh, decision-making so that at the end of the meeting, you will get to a decision. Number five is once you've established these core four things of be neutral, accept all opinions, get everyone to talk and set a decision-making meeting on another day. Step five is now, Nemawashi. Nemawashi, yeah. So now you set a decision-making meeting, uh, make meeting, right? Before that day, <laughs> you want to contact the Nemawashi so that that day during the approval, uh, you are sure to get what you wanted and what the team wanted. So we'll, we'll close up with your, your final thoughts here. When you come up with an idea and you don't know where to start, three steps. One, share your idea with everybody. The breakthrough moment usually comes with the people that you never interact. When you usually start a new product or you know, your new ideas, you, know, you, you don't know how it could be realized, right? Or you don't know certain parts of the details. You don't even know who will have this answer. The first thing you want to do is, you know, share the idea with everyone as possible. Everyone meaning even outside your circle so that you might find that person, you know, that the one person that could help you realize this, you know, you know project or idea, you know, come to life. Well, that's a good segue into number two, which yeah. is from each people's reactions, you would want to focus on working with those who had a positive response to your idea. So start exactly. with the people that you think will like it. Yes. And then move on. Anybody who will support you. Like, so again, family, best friends, colleagues, whoever thinks you will support this idea, you, you talk just to get the energy, to get the vibe going. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about momentum, which is how you started point number three. Use the momentum you gained by having supporters start the Nemawashi process with people who are neutral or have opposing opinions, increasing your allies gradually. This is the basic concept of building a coalition. All of us are in on this. What do you think? That's why you want more people, you know, supporting you so that you have confidence. As we're kind of rounding third and we're finishing this one up, um, we talked about Nemawashi. We've also discussed the possibility of multiple episodes of this. So maybe we talk mm. about uh, Kesai or Kaizen. Oh, yeah. Tatamewa. Hyojunka and Kyosei were two topics that I thought were interesting that we might be able to unpack. And then, of course, Monozukuri. Yep. Yeah. Monozukuri and possibly Kaizen. But these are all topics that are practiced very often in Japanese companies. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the, one of the reasons, you know, the, the book is there is to, again, uh, help you guys. But uh, moreover, um, by reading this, you, you, you have like opinions, right? Like, you know, you, 
uh, and then I want I, I want to talk about those things. You know, I want to I want to listen to those you know opinions and uh, you know wh whatever comments you know anything like uh, if say uh, your audience is interested in all these you know Japanese business culture whatever you know uh, then yeah I'm 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 more than because you know I I've been in the Japanese companies for a long time now so um, I can answer those from a Japanese perspective. It's kind of meta, but in a way, your your book is a form of memowashi because you're presenting an idea and you want to hear people's reaction to it. 